Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest will bring with him a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our very special guest is Issa Maze. Am I saying that right, Issa? <laughs> yes, I uh, must say. A little, a little bit harder on the Z's, but okay, yeah. Must say. Sorry. Mutsay. Okay. No worries. It's um, a weird one. <laughs> so... Issa is a producer, screenwriter, author, and former sex worker. You know her as the writer of last year's festival hit and Netflix release, Cam. Last week, she released her memoir, Cam Girl, which is incredible. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Issa. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We're you're excited. We're so excited. We're so happy that you're literally to do this Terry with and us. I have been fangirling ever since Kayla emailed. It's oh my so gosh! True. Thank you. We've been uh, fangirling. I I read your book in one day. I cried. Like I'm very excited. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy. I mean, I'm sorry that I made you cry, but also no, like not. it's like a it was like a cathartic it was like a cathartic <laughs> cry. It was like a, oh my god, she kind of like gets me in a in a way kind of cathartic oh, cry so i appreciate that that's awesome <laughs> um but now that I, we're gushing about cam girl um for our listener, listeners who don't know about it can you tell us about your new book and what it's about yeah so cam girl uh came out two days ago crazy it's um it's a memoir it's a funny and you know um realistic depiction of the time that i spent as a cam girl um i sort of see it as kind of like a fun you know, stand, uh, it it could be a standalone piece, but it's also a really fun companion to Cam and kind of will give listeners kind of a, an insight into, into what my experience as a Cam girl was, not just kind of this, this uh, horror movie version that, that we see in Cam. Cool. Yeah. Like, um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, one of the things um, that really struck me was how, 
much of a companion piece it was, like you said, to Cam. Because um, as I was, I rewatched Cam this week to prepare, and um, I could see like you know Demon Nine and Bomb Number Twenty and some of the chat room people that you had included in Cam. I and mean, it's not the same, of course, but like I could see like where some of that inspiration came from, and it made it made Cam feel a little bit more uh, biographical while also kind of being a fantastic work of like horror fiction. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was always where it came from. You know, I really wanted to give people the kind of behind the scenes look of where some of these things were coming from in my real life and kind of how I translated them into, into metaphor and into genre for, for camp. I think that's one of the things that I really like about the horror genre is its ability to um, examine things and like uh, tackle subject matter that would either a not be as as you said metaphorical or like not be able to like really dig into themes in such an interesting way and um that's one of the things i really liked about cam last year it made my my top five of last year's movies thank you that's so exciting (laughs) (laughs) um okay so i was talking to terry about this and i really wanted to bring it up to you because you mentioned neopets Oh my god. Your first exposure to porn. <laughs> and I screamed because it was mine too. No way. I was like, Isa, we are the same. Like I would tell people all the time, like I would write Harry Potter fan fiction on message boards and like yes. figure out and I was like, I have to bring this up because like Soul Sisters. Um because like I was like I had never had anyone else who had had like that experience with Neopets and I just wanted to bring that up because it was amazing. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. And yeah, I mean it's so I think it, Neopets was probably a lot of people's like first sexual awakening, honestly, because it was the first place where like it was a site for kids, but you had message boards and we yes. were all like young teenagers kinda like talking to each other and um yeah, it was a crazy time. Neopets. So like t- not to be the old fogey in the room, but what exactly is Neopets? Because I'm I'm 38, so like my generation, like I I when I hear Neopets, I think of Tamagotchi. So this whole thing is like uh, different to me. Okay, Neopets. Yeah, it's a website where you. It's like so. It's almost like Pokemon esque more than Tamagotchi, where you have oh. like you have like your Neopet, and they were like quasi like based on animals in real life there was like dolphins and like griffins and you would take care of your neopet and you have to feed it and take care of it like a tamagotchi but you also could play games and get like avatars and it was like this whole little world that was like it was fictional but it was really cool and then there was the message boards where you could like talk about neopets but actually like you just wrote like horny fan fiction (laughs) yeah it became like this really crazy like form of social media because you had a profile and you could interact with people and you could friend people and send them messages and so it became at least for me i think the first time i ever really interacted with with people online that i didn't know in real life Um, yeah so it was like this exciting exploratory space oh wow yeah and like we would exchange like I like AIM usernames and like that was like also the first time like I, I realized I could lie about who I was on the internet <laughs> like I never catfished anyone but like I would lie about my age like the good old ASL age sex location like I could lie about it instead of being 14 I could be 18 um and like all that weird stuff that comes with being a young person online <laughs> Anyway, I wanted to bring that up first because it was just like a very hilarious and like relatable sentence. I know it was like a very brief part of the book, but like very relatable. <laughs> I'm so glad that you related to it. Honestly, that makes me so happy. 
Um, so uh, going back to, to cam girl a bit, uh, what would you say is the most important thing you learned through your experiences? Um, like as a cam girl. Cam, yeah. Oh, like as cam. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing I learned was that it's okay to have boundaries and it's okay to be explicit about them. I think uh, that's something yes. like <laughs> I'm working on that in my yeah, life. It's, hard. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. hard. It's so hard. And I think growing up, especially, you know, in just my entire teenage existence, even pre-teenage existence, you know, as a woman, just so often feeling like my body didn't get to belong to me, you know, like it was objectified and catcalled and groped without my consent and stared mm-hmm. at in the street. And, and camming was the first place where I really got to set boundaries and I really got to enforce them. And that was incredibly powerful. And I kind of learned through that, you know, a lot of lessons that I carry into my life now about really figuring out what I want and what I'm comfortable with and, and holding to that. That's so, and I would actually wanted to ask you about something similar because you had you have boundaries, but it also felt like you were doing so much emotional labor for these strangers online, like the ones that you got really close to. And like, was that exhausting having to be like kind of the emotional outlet for a lot of these people? I mean, I think it was really, it was exhausting, but I also saw it like that was my job, you know? Okay. So yeah. I think it was a lot of it was balancing, you know, in terms of things that I learned, I also just learned how to run a business. And a part of that business was taking care of my clients. And a part of that business was branding myself and social media promotion and marketing and graphic design and learning how to light photos and shoot video and all of that kind of wrapped up into this, this kind of massive undertaking that was, you know, one of the hardest jobs I've ever, ever done. That's so badass. Like, I'm really like, is. one woman show. It's what I mean, like, I just don't think people ever give sex workers enough credit for, like, how much work they're actually doing behind the scenes. And, like, you are a small business owner. You totally. are an entrepreneur. Like, totally. it's ridiculous, like, how much time you said you spent buying props and, like, setting up your room. And it's, like, you, like you said, it's a full-time job. And it's insane. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's something I tried to bring into camp too, was like as much as I could, you know, the behind the scenes labor that goes into sex work, because, you know, it's so easy to look at a cam girl online and say, oh my God, she looks, she looks so pretty and it looks so effortless and it's just this flawless performance. And then, you know, you don't see just off screen, like all the open packages and chaos of makeup and like toys and just everything that goes into that moment. So it looks so effortless. You know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you, you talk about that because um, I, um, I saw Cam at uh, the um, Telluride Horror Show last year, and I know you were there because uh, you got on the stage, and I wanted to stay for your Q&A, but we had, like, another movie at the at the high school down, down like, the road, and we had to, like, rush out to it, but... Um, it was it was really interesting sitting in the movie theater. I wasn't I wasn't sure what I was going to get myself into watching it, but um, I was actually so enwrapped in like all the stuff that uh, the character Lola had to do prior to even like getting on there and all the research she was doing. And then you you tackle that again in your book, like all of the like myth, myth, uh, methodical stuff you have to do just to prepare for being on online. And I I, th- I thought that was really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that was that was so important for me to bring into, again, both the book and also Cam the film, because I think that's something that really, really goes overlooked in most portrayals of sex workers that I've seen. Yeah. Um, so we're, like, talking a lot about, like, the work that goes behind sex work, like, the work that goes behind sex work mm-hmm. and, like, curating this personality that's you but not you. 
Um, so like, what have you learned about your own identity and just like the concept of what is identity through being online as a sex worker? Like, it just seems like such a crazy thing to kind of navigate. Absolutely. I mean, I think the most important lesson that I that I took away from all of that is that who we are online is absolutely not who we are in the real world. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it's really easy to forget that. And I still do that myself when I see someone with like the perfect Instagram and the perfect story. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, why are you so happy? I hate everything. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I remember that, you know, for a long time, I was the always happy cam girl. And I'm sure mm. my social media, I'm the always happy, you know, screenwriter author that I am now. And, and I think that's a really important lesson because th- these comparisons are really unhealthy. And I think that the more we can remember that everything digital that we create is it, it's curated. It's a curated yeah. persona, no matter how real you try to be. It's I, I, I completely agree because um, I, I try to my online um, persona on like Twitter and stuff is is a lot more outgoing and gregarious than I am in person. <laughs> um, I'm very socially awkward. And so like I, I I'm, I'm thinking about all of these like people who are like, you should come to this festival and we can hang out and stuff. And it just fills me with dread because I'm not <laughs> I'm not as like uh, put together as I try to convey myself on on Twitter, you know, so I think I, I, I re- that part really like struck with me both with with Cam and uh, Cam Girl. Totally. And I think there's a moment actually in in the book where I meet someone that's like that too, mm-hmm. where like they were so gregarious and bold and almost crass in my cam room. And then I met them in real life and they were like super shy and quiet. And it was yep. it was such an interesting moment. But it also showed me just how as much as we like to hate on the Internet, just how powerful and beautiful the Internet can be. Yeah. Because it yes, is a exactly. Space where we can express parts of ourselves that maybe we are too anxious or just don't feel comfortable expressing in other ways. Well, and before I was was out in in, in real life, I was out online because like it felt removed. It felt, um, you know, that the people that was there that I, I knew that if I if they didn't accept me for who I was, that I could just you know, block them or move away from them and, and like not engage with them. And like on in the real world, it was a little bit I'm living in the center of the country. I'm in Nebraska. So it's a little bit um, it was a little bit scarier to do that in, in real life. So being online allowed me to explore that kind of um, online sexuality and like the ability to be myself, which is really freeing. Totally, totally. And I think, you know, that's why, you know, a lot of questions I get asked after Cam coming out is like, well, do do you think the internet is bad? Should we not be creating these digital identities? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like the internet is this incredible place where we can build community. It's just important to recognize that it's also not the real world. Yeah, and I was going to bring up building community because, like, towards the end of the, your book, like, you do talk about, like, you you built a community in your cam room, which is so fascinating. Like, people were friends with each other and would talk, and like, we're so familiar with each other. And like, there is an importance of finding a community, even if it's in a cam room. Like, these people did find friends in like a strange way, and like, you know, I have found my like a lot of my good friends are from the internet. Like, there is an importance to that kind of thing as long as you kind of can differentiate between like what is your real self and what is your not real self um yeah totally and I remember like days I would take sick days and my viewers would kind of like miss each other 
which Aww. was wonderful. And I would sign on a couple of days later, you know, I'd be like, oh, sorry, guys, I was so sick. And they'd be like, yeah, whatever. Glad you're better. But like, holy shit, dude, what's up? How was your birthday? Like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever. So nice. You know, it was like, it was really cool to have a space where I could bring people together who kind of had things in common. Yeah. Hmm. That's really cool. That's like, a, I feel like people don't think about that. I guess it's like, there's like the whole side where it's like, oh, it's all creepy, gross men. But it, I feel like you give them more nuance and like personality like obviously there are some like very weird things happening but you give them like like they're i mean like you knew them there's more depth to them as people rather than just like a faceless avatar who like sits on campsites totally and you know i really wanted to bring that part to light too because i think you know just like the stigmatization of sex workers is really dangerous and and um, untrue. So too is the stigma we place on people who consume sex work. We tend yeah. to write them off as mm-hmm. one type of person, and that's absolutely not true. Yeah, I, I it's I remember um, being in college, and it was and when I was when I was in college, it was like I think I started college in two thousand nineteen ninety nine two thousand. So like, um, it was the first time that I had I was away from home. I had a computer because this college I went to provided computers for everyone. And it was my first real computer and my first real experience of being online. And I remember visiting, um, campsites for, for cam boys that like, and it was, it was such an interesting, um, I, I, I guess it was a little later than sexual awakening, but for me, but it was, it was an interesting way of, um, experiencing, uh, again, my sexuality in like a, a safe controlled, controlled space. Absolutely. I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, there was, in fact, a girl in my cam room who was doing something very similar to that. And it was really wonderful to be able to be a space where she could kind of interact with another queer woman and ask questions. And and um, yeah, it, it can be a really, really, really beautiful space for things like that. Yeah. Um, and so we talked a lot about like your experience as a sex worker, but I also like wanted to talk about the kind of the beginning of the book where you talk about being like a teenager and <laughs> a lot of the way you talk about being a teenager really kind of hit me because a lot of the way you talk about, especially how your relationship with men was like, you put into words a lot of things that I have never been able to put into words about myself, which was like so amazing and cathartic for me because like I thought I was the only one that felt like and I knew I wasn't the only one but like in my head I never like talked about how it felt like good to kind of manipulate boys and like it made me feel better about myself and like the way you kind of get to the core of like how young girls and the teenagers like deal with that was so amazing and i'm sorry i'm rambling it's just like hard for me to like put it into words like how important that is (laughs) like how important that was to me to like and you're so brutally honest like you say things about yourself that like are kind of cruel it feels like but like i respect that that you have that kind of power of like self-reflection because awareness for sure self-awareness and like i'm getting emotional i apologize because like I never wanted to think about myself like that. And it was so refreshing to see someone being like, I, I did a lot of fucked up shit as a kid, but like, it's part of who I am. And like, I need to talk about it. Totally. And I think so much about it is about not only being honest to who you were and, and what the things that, that, you know, the ways that we used to act, but also this self forgiveness and self awareness of like, it's okay. You know, yeah. I'm definitely I definitely wanted to be really honest to the way that I acted and to the people that I hurt. But I also 
I also recognize that I was a very mentally ill teenager with a lot of problems. (laughs) And I need to look back at that and and forgive myself because I was ultimately doing the best in the only way I knew how to survive. Yeah, exactly. And, like, that's what I like, too, because you're, like, I don't know. It feels like a a good thing that a lot of, like, I think younger girls should understand, like, sometimes you just need help. And, like, what you're doing feels wrong, but, like, maybe it's not as wrong as you think it is. And, like, don't like beat yourself up over it um i don't know and the power to forgive yourself yeah um were you ever worried about being so brutally honest about yourself in this book i was never worried about it i okay. think that it was definitely difficult like i wrote a yeah. lot of the book at night just because i found i found it a lot easier to be vulnerable in oh, okay. night alone yeah. when everyone was sleeping um definitely cried a lot while writing it fair um, <laughs> <laughs> valid <laughs> um but i think you know at this this is the story that i wanted to tell this is the work that i want the book to do i yeah. i mean it it's so touching to hear that you saw, you know, parts of yourself in in the book and felt seen by them because that's ultimately I wrote the book for myself. I wrote the book for the younger me that needed this book. And mm-hmm. so I had to be completely honest even if it made me uncomfortable, even if it made me feel really vulnerable and raw. Yeah, and I I I think this should be like required reading for at least like high school students. I know it's like People might think, oh, it's too pornographic and like air quotes, but like <laughs> it's it's so honest. And I think a lot of younger girls would benefit from like being able to see that kind of raw portrayal and like openness about sexuality and not feeling shame. I mean, or, I like, think, yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, thank you for <laughs> saying that. And I mean, I agree to some extent. I think that like part of the problem is that that arise around you know that I felt at least as a teenager especially was that like I was same simultaneously being pressured to have sex and then also told do not have sex you know protect your virtue and you just feel completely confused and completely torn apart because you don't understand what you're supposed to be doing and you want to be good and you want to live you know a good life and please those around you but at the same time you're getting so many mixed messages and everything is just so coded in this sense of shame and and insecurity and I think the more that we talk to everyone especially teenagers about sex just openly as a matter of fact thing it doesn't have to be graphic it doesn't have to be exotified it can just be a matter of fact thing because that's what it is I think that will do a lot of work towards making it less hard to kind of come into your sexuality you know yeah yeah so um what um going back to Cam for a moment, what what made you decide to frame the story of Cam as like a, a horror story as opposed to just telling a drama? I mean, first and foremost, I love horror. And I okay. think I love horror because horror is this incredible way to bring audiences inside an experience that is completely foreign to them. And that can be like obviously supernatural or, you know, sci fi or whatever, but when you're scared with a with a with a character, when you're rooting for a character, when you're feeling their fear, you're creating empathy. 
you're building empathy. And I thought, you know, we thought a lot about doing a documentary at first and then also, you know, maybe a drama, maybe some other type of story. But I really, really wanted the audiences to be in her shoes rooting for this sex worker and rooting for her to go back to sex work. I wanted them to feel that loss of agency. I wanted them to feel that Mm. loss when her career gets taken away from her. And I thought horror was the only place I had ever seen that really done before. That was the best genre for it. Yeah, uh, for, definitely. Yes. I completely agree. And the thing that um, that struck me back when I first saw it and then I started thinking about it again this last month is the um, impermanence of online identity. Because like I had um, just over the last few weeks, one of my friends on Twitter, she has like an After Dark um, Twitter account and she kind of makes a little bit of a side hustle money on the side doing... Um, kind of like cam girl type stuff, right? Um, and then she discovered that her pictures were being used by an escort service, and so it was like it's it, that's and that's troubling for multiple reasons. Um, and then another one of my writer friends that is not involved at all in, in sex work, but had their work um, plagiarized and like just posted all over on other sites, um, claiming it is theirs. And it kind of struck me back to this idea of the identity in cam and how difficult it is to be able to control yourself once you're online because someone else can just easily just like in cam take over your your persona and use it to their own benefit and i i just thought that that was a very interesting way of of framing um that kind of transcends even just the the typical story that's being told there you know what i mean Totally. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's so much what it is, is like at the end of the day, Lola is this manifestation of this digital identity getting away from you. And it, again, you know, is drawn directly from experiences that I talk about in my book of, of having mm-hmm. this porn pirated and taken away from me and how right. violating and alienating that can feel. And again, I think that's super relatable to anyone that exists online. Even, you know, we've all had like a tweet stolen or a photo stolen or, you know, someone's used our photos on tinder and it can feel not only violating but also just extremely surreal to feel disconnected from your own image in that way yeah it 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 can be so invasive and like uh, that was part of the of uh your book that really like made me feel so so uncomfortable and so like um nervous for the, the, well, you, but you're kind of the character, you're the person you're writing about in the book, because it was it, when when the videos started, you know, being spread throughout Pornhub and stuff. And I'm like, man, the, it's so easy to not be able to control what you put out there, but yet you need to put out there to to make your money and like to get your presence. But then some random person can just steal it and, you know, propagate it all throughout the Internet. Totally. And I think like just... If anyone's listening who wants to know how to how to help that, you know, something that I always like to say is like pay for your porn. Because yes. when guys pay consume, for your porn. <laughs> pay for your porn. <laughs> pay for your porn, please. Everybody. Do yes, it. Please. It's cool. It's so cool. Um yeah, I think it's really funny that we've kind of created a society where it's somehow seen as more shameful to pay for porn than to consume stolen content. Yeah. But I think that like if you're if you're watching stolen porn, you are harming sex workers. And yes, that's I completely just a fact. Agree. Yeah. Pay it's for it's something porn. that like Sorry. Yes, please do. <laughs> it's it's something that like uh I've I've really kind of grown into as I started like learning more about um sex work that it's it like you said it's so important cuz you are basically um enjoying someone else's work and taking from them their ability to 
uh, continue to exist, live with uh, their their finances and stuff. It's just, yeah, it's it's pay for your porn, people. <laughs> <laughs> the moral of this episode is pay for your porn. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned you you you're um, you're a horror fan. Have you always been a, a horror fan? Yeah, I mean, I I grew up on horror. Um, my godfather is actually Larry Cohen. Um, oh. Wow. Yeah, so oh. I read a <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> uh, low key. Um, I actually read a lot of his scripts. That's kind of how I know how to write a script. Is that, oh my god, that's so yeah. cool! It's amazing. <laughs> um, Casual, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know he he saw Cam and he really liked it, which was super. Oh, I'm really happy oh, that's before awesome. he died. Yeah, he got to see it. So um, that was incredible. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I've I've been a big fan of horror for a long time. I even, you know, like even just the little books, you know, like scary stories to tell in the dark. And oh yeah, I, love that. I was a big fan growing up. Yeah. Um, awesome. I had a quick question. Sorry, going back to the um, just to the to the cam girl. Did you have to reach out to any of the people you mentioned before you write it, you wrote it? Because I I know you changed names and you used a lot of screen names, but did you have to tell any of them that you were gonna? Talk about them in your book? So, no. I mean, I it was really important to me for this book that this book be about me. And okay. mm-hmm. for that reason, I did change all of the names except my own. Okay. And I um, I really wanted to write from memory, too, which is the other thing. You know? Okay. Um, I didn't go back and, like, rewatch all of my shows or, you know, look things up because I really – for me, it was kind of like – an experiment with memory and with kind of what mattered most to me and what left lasting impressions. Because obviously in, in a memoir that takes place over two years, there's so much that there wasn't room for. Yeah. But it was actually really kind of easy to figure out what actually mattered to the story because that ultimately is what, what mattered to me and what I remembered most clearly too. Oh, cool. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. Yeah. I just wasn't sure, like the way you were. I I don't know, like, and you also are still in contact with quite a few of the, of of them, right? Yeah, yeah, I cool. am. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. Um. So, how are are you in? Um. It, it's Dan. Is it Gold Haber? Gold Haber. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So, how did you two meet, and will you guys continue to work in the future? I know you you um are working on uh, Quibi, uh, yeah. Fifty States of Fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh. we met in high school, actually. Okay. We worked oh. in high school, yeah. Cool. Uh, we ran a theater company. Um, well, he ran a theater company. I I tried to run a theater company with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, um, uh, yeah, we worked together from, from a young age. You know, I would, like, PA his short films, um, hurting oh, people awesome. off sidewalks. And, um, we're st- yeah, we're still working together. We have a couple of features that we're working on right now. And then, yeah, the 50 states of, I think it's uh, 50 states of fright now. Oh, fright. Yeah. Oh, I think bad. they changed Sorry. the name. Um, okay. No, it's okay. They've changed it a couple of times. So, yeah. and um, so for, for our listeners that might not be familiar with it, um, can you talk a little bit about it? I know you, it's, it's, you guys are doing one called, is it red rum? It's called red rum. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, um, I love it's, it. <laughs> thank you. It's, um, yeah, it's based on the 50 states of America. So each state has its own episode. Um, ours is Colorado. That's the state where we both grew up. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I don't know what can I say about it. Uh, it has Christina Ricci in it, which is oh. crazy. 
crazy awesome. That's wild. Uh, yeah. Um, and I don't think I'm allowed to tell you really anything else. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Fair. It's with Sam they... Raimi. It's Sam Raimi's the kind of EP on the show. So. Yeah. Uh, so are they like, are, they're short, are they short films? Is that how it? Um, they're short form content, but. Okay. Um, are, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I don't. I don't want you to say things you can't. I, I just. I know. Because Quibi, it's is it is it Quibi? Is that Quibi? Yeah, Quibi. Okay. Yeah. Because they're they're um. It, it seemed um. I was trying to do a little bit of research into them, and it seemed like they they're focused on like um things that you could watch in like one sitting type thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And you mentioned that uh you have a couple of features maybe in, in the in the in the works. Um, are you? Are you going to stay in the horror genre, do you think? Um, both of those are horror thriller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's my happy place. I love it here. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> cool. Um, so we've talked a lot about Cam and Cam Girl, but do we want to talk about what we've watched recently, Terry? Yes, please. Cool. Terry, okay. what have you been watching? Well, I've been a bad boy, and I haven't really watched a whole lot because I've been playing um, this game that's on the PlayStation uh, called um, Death Stranding. Yes, and it is such. And do you do you play games at all, Isa? Sorry, I was drinking coffee and muting. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. I'm just like I'm shoving my coffee down my throat. Um, <laughs> no, really. I do not. I do not. Oh, you do not. No, okay. Not really, it's no. so this this guy this uh, Hideo Kojima. He he's like he's a really big uh, person in in like video game development, and this is his like first game free of the shackles of like working for someone else, and it feels that way. It's it's very um, it's very odd. It's simultaneously boring and exciting and brilliant at the same time. Um, I, I know you've been kind of like on the sh- on the, the the kind of fence about it, uh, Mary Beth. Um, yeah, but- so I have been like, um, I've been excited for this game because it's like it seemed very horror esque, and like a lot of the oh, video games is. I like to play are horror games, and. So I was like super hyped because Kojima was supposed to do another Silent Hills movie, uh, movie Jesus, but Silent Hill video game called. Um, and there was like the P- the playable trailer PT, and I was so excited. And then I got next, and I was very sad. So I got very excited mm-hmm, for this. Same. But then people keep saying it's kind of boring, but like I kind of like boring games sometimes. So I, it's I don't know. It, it's very methodical in the way that it, it's presented, and I think. Some it, I think for some people it'll be like their favorite game of the year, and other people will be like, I ah, I don't understand what this is. But the thing that I love the most about it is that it's about kind of reconnecting America after this kind of apocalyptic event that decimated America. And so you're you're moving from the East Coast to the West Coast, and you're trying to connect the world again. And they do that by having this kind of online component where like stuff that people, other people do in their world will Mm -hmm. show up in yours. So like if they've built a bridge to help cross over this like uncrossable area, it will show up in your world and you can like it. And by liking it, it's sort of like, you know, Facebook, you'll start to see more stuff from them in your world. And you've kind of like connecting people in a way. And it's that aspect of it is so fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I've been doing is playing, sinking way too many hours into it. Cool. Um, 
What about you, Mary Beth? What have you been watching? Um, I have also been terrible about watching movies due to my new job and the exhaustion of trying to figure out how to be an adult with um, a full-time job <laughs> and a social life. Um, so I've been watching a lot of the show, the new HBO show Watchmen. Um, Isa, are you familiar with Watchmen? Do you like Watchmen? Um, vaguely. Have not okay, watched. cool. Yeah. Um, so the show, the show is, is like basically, it takes place, I think, 30 years after the graphic novel. And I have a Watchmen tattoo. I wrote my oh, wow. undergrad thesis on Watchmen. Like, I am obsessed with Watchmen. And so I was very hesitant about the show because a lot of the content they've made after the graphic novel is like trash. <laughs> so I was very hesitant, but this show slaps. Like, I tweeted the other day, Watchmen rips like in all caps with like 600 exclamation points it's oh sorry (laughs) i've been i've been meaning to try to get into it i haven't i haven't started it yet um i i have this like thing where it's like i want to binge something but then i also don't want it to get spoiled before i binge it yeah so like i'm kind of in that in that awkward place where i really want to dive into it because i think i think damon uh lindelof is is i think he's done bad like people are I think the internet has done him wrong, and so like I, I have a feeling that down the line he's get, his work is really gonna get heralded. I mean, like the one problem I have is that he doesn't know how to end things, so I'm That's very true. curious to see how they're gonna end this. But like, I hope he just goes like full crazy bullshit because, like, <laughs> spoiler alert: the original Watchmen graphic novel ends with a giant alien squid being transported into the middle of New York City and like destroying yep. millions of people. Oh and God. so I am wanting like a batshit crazy like that kind of thing and they're already leaning into it because alien squids rain from the sky on like a regular basis and it's like part of daily life um that's not a spoiler it's just like a little thing so they're leaning into like the nuts the nuts shit from the graphic novel so i'm just hoping they go like whole hog into it um the soundtrack is also really, really good. And Regina Reznor. Yes, it's so good. And then um Regina King is the um like the main like the protagonist and Jesus Christ. Like why has she not been in more action movies or action shows? Because she kicks so much ass. I love her. She's so good. So I've been loving that um a lot. Uh <laughs> Issa, have you watched anything recently that you want to talk about? Um, or that you've been enjoying? Anything you've been enjoying? It doesn't even have to be new. It could just be like something you revisited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the most recent movie that I watched, I just watched on the plane yesterday. Um, I re-watched Raw. Oh, my <gasps> oh, God. Yes. We and love female cannibals. So freaking good. Like, it's such a good movie. It's such it really a good is. movie. It's gorgeous. It's creepy. And, like, oh, uh, it just, yeah. I, like, I had seen it once before and then just hadn't watched it in a couple years. And then I was just like, I need to see this again. And it just blew my mind again, just right away. It's, um, it's a pretty incredible movie. What a plain movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, someone looks over, like, what in the hell? And you're like, don't worry about it. She's it's like, fine. gnawing on someone's thigh. Like, it's fine, guys. It's fine. It's, it's normal. Fine. I, it's that's such a sexy movie, though. It's it's weird to say that about a movie that's about, like, you know, cannibalism and stuff. But, like, I, I found that myself oddly, like, turned on while watching it. And I think the guy, I don't know who, what the actor's name is or what the character's name is. Cause it's been a while. But the guy uh, that's, um, I think he's he's either gay or bisexual in it. Mm-hmm. He He's so attractive. 
I totally agree. And I love that he's such a he's such an important queer character because yes. he's really a foil to the protagonist to uh, just Justine who's like so repressed and so shy yes. and so unable to even confront her own anything about herself. And then here's this, you know, queer guy who's just totally liberated and in your face. And it's just such an important contrast. I think it is. Um, as she's kind of like going through this self discovery Absolutely. Well, have you guys seen Trouble Every Day? No. I've been wanting to see that. Okay. Yeah. That's, that. a, that's another sexy cannibal movie. It's like Claire Denis, who did High Life mm, and mm-hmm. like all these other weird movies. She's amazing. But it's basically like can, these people, when they have sex, they want to eat people. Oh, wow. It's so good. It like is kind of makes no sense in like a Claire Denis kind of way. It's like it's like yeah. raw. It's like French and sexy and gross, but you can't stop watching it. So yeah, if you I, like, <laughs> oh, sorry, I was gonna say I love that, and I feel like there's there's a way to do cannibalism that's kind of sexy, and I think the French are nailing it. <laughs> yeah, and then there's in my there's in my skin, which I haven't seen, so I don't know how sexy it is. But she like eat, like the French and cannibalism, like I don't get it, but I love it. So. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird, but whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I need I, I need to rewatch uh, Rocks. It, it I, I it's been a while. I think I think it's been since it first came out that I've seen it. So I I'm gonna write that down that I should go rewatch that because yes, it's so it's good. good. It's so good. It's so good. Um. Well, speaking of, well, I don't even know how to connect Raw and Saw except they actually they <laughs> Ooh, rhyme. They rhyme. Anyway, now that I've spoiled it, um, <laughs> Issa, what movie did you bring with you today for us to talk about? Saw! Yay! <laughs> um, so, before so we... I, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? Um, so, before we uh, we get into your experience with it, I, I we have we sometimes do like this little synopsis. It's kind of like a fun thing to like bring people up to speed. So, um, I this is what what we have for this um adam leigh winnell and dr lawrence gordon carrie elways wake up chained in a dark room and no this isn't my prince wesley bdsm fantasy come to life (laughs) it's a game set up by the sadistic jigsaw tobin bell that's a spoiler uh the two men don't know each other why they're there supposedly but people die stomachs get punctured and jigsaw puts them through an escape room scenario that uh today people would actually pay good money for Mm Um, by the end, Lawrence fights uh, bad acting, which isn't necessarily his fault, and cuts off his foot, while Adam, well, he kind of also fights bad acting and gets locked in the dingy room to perish. It's revealed that the dead man lying between them isn't so dead and is, in fact, the organizer of the festivities. Game over, indeed. So, Issa, how old were you when you saw this, and and why, why did it affect you so much? Yes. Um, okay, so I was... I can't remember if I was 14 or 15, but I think okay. I was like ninth or 10th grade. And it was kind of this movie that, you know, I liked horror, but I liked kind of ghost stories and mm-hmm. fairies and like, you know, supernatural things. Um, I didn't ever really seen like a, like a serial killer movie. And um, there were some kids that were, you know, really cool, like way cooler than me. And they were also <laughs> like, they were also like a bunch of like gay girls in this group. And I was just like coming into my queerness. And I was like, yep. I really want you guys to like me. So oh, I'm yeah. going to watch this movie. And I did not want to watch it. And it, <laughs> oh my God, it messed me up. Like, I remember 
getting home and, you know, my friend's mom dropped me off and I remember just bolting from the car like <laughs> into my front door and just slamming oh, no. it shut behind me like so viscerally terrified of that movie yeah wow <laughs> i just like this movie also viscerally terrified me um i i think i saw it i didn't see it right when it came out because it came out when i was um i think i was in middle school but i watched it this is like a movie I didn't see in theaters, movie, like a DVD experience. Um, and I actually saw Saw 2 first. Um, I don't know why that was the order in which I watched them, but I think it was because I didn't really want to see the first one because it I didn't like the idea of torture porn at that point in my life. But then my stepdad, who like I'm very close with, wanted to watch Saw 2. And so we had this tradition where we would like make grilled cheeses and watch horror movies at night. So That's he was cute. like... I know. He was like, let's watch Saw 2. And I said, all right, cool, let's do it. Fuck that movie. (laughs) It is the only horror movie to ever make me almost vomit because I have an absolutely awful fear of needles. Oh, yeah. And when she is thrown, I'm like getting like kind of like nauseous thinking about it right now. Like it was the worst. I I sprinted out of my living room into our bathroom and like put my head between my legs. Oh. <laughs> I was yeah. like, fuck this movie. I hate yeah. it so much. So then I didn't want to see Saw for a long time. And then I finally saw it and was like, this is so fucking disturbing. Like, why are we watching this movie? <laughs> like, it just, it just like so deeply disturbed me. And I actually haven't seen any of the other ones since. But like, this movie just kind of got into my head and just freaked me out so badly. So I'm so glad you wanted to talk about it because this movie was like, makes me so uncomfortable <laughs> so uh what what scenes do you do you remember um that really like affected you when you first saw it Issa? i mean i think i think what was the scariest part to me and like what left a lasting impression like obviously just like the brutality of like cut your own foot off or you know kill right. this guy yep. to save yourself but but more than that which stuck in my head was just the psychology of jigsaw fucked me up Mm. like the idea that there was someone who could be watching you and know what you were feeling and like i i mean as you both know you read my book i was a pretty depressed teenager and i definitely thought about suicide a lot i dealt with self-harm and Mm -hmm. for me to have the possibility that there was someone out there who would kind of take advantage of that and and trap you and try to teach you a lesson about you know there's just that moment when at the end he says like, are you grateful for your life now? Or like, are you grateful for being alive? And it just got to me. Like, I remember there were moments where I was like in the hallway talking to a friend, you know, bitching about something. And I'd say, God, I just want to fucking die. And then I'd be like, but not really. Cause life is great. <laughs> not really, I love jigsaw. it. If you're it's listening, jigsaw, I promise. I love my life. <laughs> I appreciate like, it wholeheartedly. I swear to God, please don't come for me. <laughs> yeah. Like for real though, for real. Like I was so scared of that. Uh. Yep. <laughs> wow. And see, like it, it's, it's I I love that this conversation is happening because um again I'm I'm 
I'm 38, so like I was I was a different age when when this movie came out, and I remember um so I had a different perspective with it because I remember I was real I was a big film nerd at the time. I mean, I still am, obviously. I was going to say, are you not now? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know what hates I'm here movies, proposing. Hates movies. <laughs> hates them. Can't believe I'm here talking about them. Um, no, but when it came out, there was like so much anticipation and hype before this movie before it hit because like it was something different than what um had come because you know from the 90s like this came out in 2004 so we're coming out of the 90s like teen horror cycle where it was like basically slashers and stuff right and so then this this new thing came out and it was like they were calling it immediately torture porn and like comparing it almost to like a snuff film without the, the actual snuff happening and so like there was this incredible hype building up i remember freaking myself out so bad before this movie even came out, that I was blogging about it on Live Journal. I mean, that kind of hell thing. yeah, <laughs> yes. And like, because it, it like, I, I was like, oh god, what what is the difference between this and a snuff film? I mean, I know people don't die, but what is the difference? What where is it going to go from here? Like, I just remember being so completely freaked out, and then watching the movie and being like, oh, this isn't so bad. I mean, it was terrifying, and it was you know, it definitely played more with like the uh the anticipation of some of the stuff but i didn't think it was as bad as as i was led to believe it was going to be and so that kind of like it it was such a, a weird it was like like my first ex, ex um experience with like this the hype machine that gets built up among some movies that we see now like with a lot of a24 movies where they're like scariest movie ever and then people get disappointed in it because it's not so i it's just it's interesting to me to see these different like interactions and reactions with it based on you know where we were in life at that time yeah and like i I think it was also like i don't i can't say for sure but it was one of the very first movies that was part of a torture porn genre yes Yes, and like that was such a big deal because i've done like nerdy amounts of research into like post 9-11 horror and like how torture porn emerged out of, like, this nihilistic sense of, like, everything is fucked, so, like, what do we even do now? So now these movies come out that are just basically, like, like you said, torture porn. And so it is, like, fascinating all of our own reactions to, like, an introduction to that genre. Because, like, do you guys still watch torture porn movies? Like, would you consider yourself fans of that kind of movie? I mean, I'm definitely not. Okay. No. And to be yeah. fair, I never was. Like, Yeah, I saw fair. Saw. I mean, like, fair enough. I definitely watched all of the Saw movies with that same group of girls that I really wanted to like me. Um, but it had nothing to do with the movies. And I <laughs> I don't... Yeah, just torture in general really, really gets to me. Issa, was it worth it, though? Um, you know what? I did get to make out with them, uh, one of them, a few times. So I would say well, yes. Well, that's a win. Okay, yeah, cool. I would say yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was at least a little bit of a reward at the end of that yeah, up portrait tunnel. Yeah, one of the girls we held hands for the entire second Saw movie. It was really cute. Aww. So, you know. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Yay, Saw. Encouraging <laughs> gay love? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was they were the cool kids and this was the cool movie, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. The cool, like, the, like the, the counterculture cool, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I know. <laughs> the girls, you were like, I want to be like you, but I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so fascinating though that like um that decade was so permeated by by this this kind of horror with you know the saw movies. I don't think this the first saw movie I I don't necessarily consider it torture porn too much. I I think 
I think it's more of like a, it felt more like a thriller. I realized that now watching it this, the second, I mean, it, it's been probably a good decade since I've seen this movie, Yeah. but like, I, I realized how much of like a, a twisty thriller it really is. And it's like this, it's always the, the second movie and the third and the fourth and gosh, there's like eight of them now um, that like really started to amp up and focus more on that kind of the, the torture aspect of it. Um, I feel like, like it's always, Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm saying I just it feels like it's always paired up with Hostel because Hostel came out the next year, yes. and that movie is a fucking nightmare. Um, yes. So it's just like I feel like you said I feel like people don't like I definitely didn't remember like the kind of detective work aspects of that movie. I was like, oh yeah, this is just like cutting off feet. Yeah, um, I did remember the one moment I did remember was when he gets up off the floor. Oh god, that god. was like that I like moment screaming seared in my brain i yeah just like <laughs> out loud like oh my god i did not see that coming no uh, i didn't yeah. either and what like a, what i mean you can see uh that james wan was is a talent to be to be reckoned with in this movie because it was filmed in 18 days and there's holy shit it was 18 days That's 18 impressive. days yeah. and part of the problem with like some of the acting because like the acting towards the end with carrie always after he like cuts his foot off and like the the drama leading up to it is a little rough on on this viewing for me but like it was all rehearsal footage like they didn't have time they filmed all of danny glover's uh, sh- uh scenes in like two days like it just everything was just pretty much they had to rush 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 and when you think about how big the movie actually is because it's not in my mind it was just the two of them in this room and there was like a little bit of that police work but a lot of the movie takes place outside of that room yeah yeah it it really does have a whole larger scope to it and i i think it's it's really well done honestly um and the way the the twists and the reveals kind of layer on top of each other where you're never quite sure what's actually real I think yeah. is yeah. pretty incredible, especially in the third act when it all just starts unraveling and you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what right. have I been watching like, this whole time? Yeah, what is it's happening? It's so much more than just two people stuck in a bathroom. And it plays with, with time a whole lot because, like, I I don't remember how, like, I was watching it and I was, I, it again, it had been like a decade and I was like, oh, there's these two cops. Oh, wait, that's in the past. Oh, wait, how long ago was that? And just the way that it kind of plays with expectations and that and then leads up to, like you said, the the scene where he gets up off the ground and what a perfect um, mix of like sound design, that that score, that that sound that, that like is now seared in my mind with with saw that da 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 da. It was just it's so it's so creepy and well done. Can we also talk about how nasty that fucking bathroom is? Oh my god! (laughs) I literally gross. I literally wrote down that I um I can smell that bathroom in through the screen. Like I literally wrote that down in my notes. (laughs) You can, you can. It's just, it's so, it's so gross. I don't. I think like so. I have OCD, and like I sometimes like I'm not necessarily like a lot of my like OCD like compulsions don't necessarily manifest around. Um, like cleaning, but when I watch movies like that, like all like my like compulsive thoughts can think about is like germs and bacteria, <laughs> like so dorky and like so like dumb. But all I can think about is like you have an open wound, you're going to get an infection, you're, you're going, into you that need to toilet. get, you need to get antibiotics, you're going, you're going to get infected, which is like so silly to think about that. Like when I was watching Crawl. 
the alligator movie from the summer, yeah, yeah. all I could think about was like, you are going to get a nasty staph infection. You are swimming around <laughs> in flood water. That's like so weird, but like all I can think about. Okay, is- I relate to that though, because that's honestly what I think about too. Thank you. All oh my the God. time. Yeah, no, like for real. <laughs> and it's so dumb because it's like, no, they're just going to die like for other reasons way sooner than this infection would set in. But <laughs> exactly. My brain is just like, get some Purell. Get I know. Some Purell. <laughs> Cover that up. Look for the red streaks. Is it hot? to the touch (laughs) like like, that's so funny real world logic is like which is like shouldn't be applied but just uh, 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 anyway that's so the two scenes that like stuck out to me this time were I I think incredibly effective with um, building tension was the two scenes where they have the flashbacks of them being kidnapped oh yes so like the first one with with uh dr gordon who's he's like on the phone and you see that kind of mirror above him showing the car with the door opening up and this weird pig-faced person climbing out the back i mean did that did that get you guys at all yes yeah i mean yeah it was. <laughs> i mean like i don't know what else to say yeah. <laughs> yep scary and then um what really worked i thought was uh was adams in the dark apartment and mm-hmm. all he had to illuminate is that camera and that sound that kind of like reminded me a bit of like the texas chainsaw massacre that like yep. when he's taking photographs <sighs> that it's moment so creepy and so i just think so invasive like there's something about the backs getting the backstories where you understand like just how long these people have been watched by him and just yes. how intimately he knows everything about them. Every that detail really got to me. And you saw it in that scene where he's in their house and, you know, or like even with the daughter where she's like, Oh, it's the man from the closet. Oh my and God. And you're like, how long has he been in her closet for? Like, this yes. is the most terrifying thing. <laughs> Again, one of this, like this, this movie like taps into all of these fears I have because like I also get terrified that my Uber drivers are like recording where I'm living and going to murder me. Mm-hmm. So like, again, not rational but like that kind of thing makes me think about it and like that is why this movie gets to me and like a level of like watching me and like noting my every move and like getting used to my um routines and that just like freaks me out so much and like so the part with the daughter um like the daughter saying that's like what in my closet so my grand my dad's dad my grandpa has like a really shitty track record of showing um, his grandchildren, really scary movies at um, very awful and like awful ages. Like he showed me Jaws when I was four, and oh my that God. ruined my life. <laughs> and then he showed my cousin Caroline, who is seventeen now. He showed her Saw, and oh, it that caused more controversy than Jaws for a lot of like obvious reasons. But she wouldn't like her. She was terrified of her closet. Like they were like, oh yeah, just babysit her, and like for ba- like he thought that turning on, he said he's his his um claim was he didn't couldn't find the remote and didn't know how to change the channel, so we just like let the four year my four year old cousin watch Saw. Oh my and god! She was like she was scarred for life. Yeah, it's I was like Saw Jaws is nothing compared to Saw. Good God! Anyway, terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. Well, I I think it also like what we're talking about kind of points to the way that he uses a lot of childhood fears in this movie. I mean, there's the creepy clown doll that's like rolling out on its own. There's like the man in the closet with the, you know, the girl. And then there's this idea of being like watched constantly. It's, 
it's really effectively using different types of, of, of horror to like keep you on edge the entire time. Totally. And then the way that he gamifies it. Like, it's yes. a game. Like, you can survive if you do something horrific. And that that makes it... I don't, I don't know. There's something about about how it's just a game that is also somewhat childlike and really yes. preys on those, like... Because you start rooting for them. You're like, oh, my God, just do it. Just do it. And then you realize you're rooting for someone to do something absolutely awful. Yes. And it's it's really crazy how it plays with you like that. And I think the, the scene that, that really uh, exemplifies that is Amanda with the reverse bear trap yeah. on her head. <laughs> and she has to, like, cut the guy open that's uh. alive. You know, and it's like you have to do something so horrible just to save yourself. But can you imagine being in that situation? I was just going to say, like, I was I think I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't even know what I would do. Like, I can't even fathom being in that situation and like being that desperate to survive. Like, I can't even. And then at the end when she says he helped me. Or he yeah. saved me. Oh, my God. She's like, he saved me. And I w- that just got to me. I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, that kind of digs into, like, the whole idea of, like, Stockholm Syndrome. And, and you know, she becomes, like, such a important character in the next movie. Mm-hmm. That's right. That. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, yeah. Isn't she a pretty big character in the rest of the franchise? I think yes. so. You know, yeah. I can't. I haven't seen. Like, I have only seen the first two, so I don't. I, I just know from like seeing stuff online that she kind of becomes like a pretty integral part of the entire, or at least a decent chunk of it. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. <laughs> I honestly can't remember. Yeah, like, I don't. The, I know movies... she's pretty big for a couple more. I don't. Know. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember. I I, I don't remember. I think she died in the <laughs> one. Like, no. I've blocked it out. <laughs> like I, I was trying to remember i think i've seen maybe like six of the eight that are out but like they at some point they all just sort of blur together yes um that it's kind of i i, I think the first two are, are really good um and everyone keeps saying that the sixth one is is actually surprisingly decent in its uh critique of the healthcare system oh and i'm huh. like because like I, I was I was tweeting about this earlier, and, and Trace Thurman, one of the horror queers, he uh, he was like, "Six is surprisingly good. It's about the healthcare system." And I was like, uh, "Is it?" Because they all just sort of blur together at some point. But it's still really popular because there's going to be another movie uh, that Chris Rock wrote the story for, called so, "The Organ Donor." Yeah, oh, that's lovely. That's coming out next year, so we have that to look forward to. Cool. <laughs> I can only imagine what it will entail. Hopefully, donating organs. organs. Forcibly donating organs. Oh, yeah. Which which is funny, because that is what Adam thinks is happening to them in the first scene of Saw. Oh, that's He's right. like, yes. oh, they took my organs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. Do you see Slat? The LA slices on me. Did they take out my kidneys? <laughs> He's like, uh, you would be mm, dead. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. Uh, oh man um saw Mm -hmm. terry is there anything else you want to talk about or do we want to start maybe wrapping up or um i think i'm i'm good what about you is there anything else you wanted to mention about saw are you okay no i mean i i think i think we covered it you know it's it's a terrifying movie (laughs) it really is all right um i'm just thinking about the poster yeah, that you know the posters for each of those movies are just still so good. They like, are. I do like they definitely capture like the films pretty well, and mm-hmm. even further made me never want to see them because I was like, nope, dirty, gross, 
grimy, yeah, icky. They just, they really grimy do grime. Is like All a, the movies do grime in such a good way. I know. Yes. And I hate it and I love it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was just, that was one last thing because I was looking at the posters and I was like, these are so good and make me itch. Like, maybe I want to take a shower. Right? Just I remember, looking at them, you feel dirty. I know. Uh, yeah. I, and I think... I want to say it was the was it maybe the fourth movie that they actually had to change the poster and take him down because like they were showing like I think it was severed fingers or something and the, se- the second show... one was severed fingers was it the second one I yeah. can't remember which one it was but there was like one where like they had the severed fingers and they couldn't show that it was like severed so they had to like cut it differently again or something oh interesting. I just remember like the posters causing controversy yeah because that I was just looking at it because it's like the two fingers with the nasty ass fingernails yeah ugh. So gross. Anyway. <laughs> well, thank you, Issa, for joining us to talk about Saw. Um, so where can our listeners find you, and um, what do you have coming up? Awesome. Uh, thanks for having me, first of all. This was super fun. Um, y'all are awesome. Um, uh, people can find me online. I'm at Issa is wrong uh, on social media. And, um, I mean, my next thing is my book. So, you know, buy my yes. book. It's great. I also have an audio book where I read my book, uh, which Ooh. is pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw on Twitter, you were talking about, uh, pretending, to, uh, faking a British accent. Is that correct? There is a chapter right? in which there is a part where I fake a British accent and it is horrific. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a special treat for the, the audible listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yes it, it is on audible and um i'm i have actually have already ordered it because i wanted to listen to it on my oh, on my commute uh, awesome um awesome. so listeners you've heard from us but we want to hear from you what has been your experience with saw either the first movie or the franchise send us an email at scarred for life podcast at gmail.com and we might feature you in an upcoming episode you could also reach out to us on twitter i'm at mary beth mcginn or sorry i don't even know my own twitter handle <laughs> i i'm at mb mcandrews and i'm at gaily dreadful and of course make sure to tag us at scarred podcast if you want to talk about us on twitter And don't forget to please review, rate, and subscribe. It helps out more than you know. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our amazing theme song. Um, Stay creepy, everyone. And until next time. Cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer And use your cap You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching There's a million playful ways Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? 
It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com